Good morning, everyone. Please be seated. So there's this conversation between a four-year-old little boy and his dad. He said, Dad, I've decided to get married. And his dad said, well, wonderful. Do you have a girl in mind? Yeah, I'm going to marry Grandma. She loves me. I love her. She plays with me. She's the best cook. She tells me great stories. The dad said, well, that's nice, son, but we have a small problem. The boy said, what problem? He said, well, she happens to be my mother. How can you marry my mother? The little boy thought for a minute, and he said, why not? You married mine. <laughs> I thought that was cute. 1,189. Anybody know what that number pertains to? 1,189. That's the amount of chapters that are in your Bible. Yeah, you didn't know that, huh? How many didn't know that? A lot of you didn't know it. 1,189. Do you know that if you read 10 chapters every day, you would read the Bible three times every year? Isn't that easy? How many read the Bible more than once every year? Let me see your hand. One, two, three. Small amount of people. Some people are doing their very best to do read the Bible in a year programs. You know, they have those scriptures listed and they try to do it in a year. But I'm going to break it down real easy for you. Ten chapters every day. That means in 118 days you read through the Bible. Times three, that's 350 Four, there you go, thank you, Ron. 354 days, how many days in a year? So you got 11 days to try to do it the fourth time. <laughs> what do you think of that? Anyway, just wanted to throw that out to you today. Um, thank you so much for responding. The last time I was here, I believe I ministered on volunteering in the kingdom, and many of you have done that. Uh, Pastor Don, I understand you've had a lot more people involved, and I want to encourage you to continue. We put a challenge out there for 90 days, so 90 days to serve in the ministry, and why? Because Deborah arose, and when she did, all the leaders rejoiced. It causes a rejoicing when other people see leaders engaged in ministry. It also helps us to understand that we are preparing, like David. He prepared for the temple. So when you and I volunteer, we are preparing for the next generation, which they are going to be born, save the Lord coming again, and we are going to have a space for them. We're going to have a place where they can worship. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit empowers us when we serve. But I want to follow up today with a message entitled, steadfast in a changing world. You know, we really can't keep up with what we believe anymore in America. One day we believe this, and the next day we believe that. Have you ever noticed that people come out and say, well, we don't believe that anymore. We believe this. I mean, it's all around us, whether it's in the movie industry as it's portrayed, our beliefs have changed, you say, well, you got to get with it. This is the 21st century. But how many know God's Word never changes? 
And God is the same, say it with me, yesterday, today, and forever. You know, that's difficult for some people to hold on to because we are in such changing times, we almost expect this day to be different than any other day, to be more liberal, to perhaps be a little more straight from truth, perhaps to compromise a little more or to adjust our way of believing. But the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, if you look at your Bible with me, it should be up on the screen. There it is. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Would you say that with me? Let nothing move you. Now, that's a very important phrase throughout this little talk this morning. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, the admonition in 1 Corinthians 16 says this, verse 13 and 14. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Now, watch this. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. What that actually means, the word be in the Greek, it means with continuation without interruption. So the scripture is telling us, and Paul writing to the church at Corinth, which really was abandoning truth. They believed in the resurrection, and then they started to phase away from the belief that Jesus actually rose again. This is why Paul wrote with such strong words to say, be steadfast. In other words, you receive this truth as doctrine, hold on to it. Don't let go of it. Stand firm in it. And he writes in chapter 16 again, be continuous without interruption what you believe. Now, if we're going to understand the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, I want to suggest to you something. He tells us there, let nothing move you. The word move is kinos in the Greek, K-I-N-O-S. It has a number of definitions, but one of the definitions out of that word, we get the word movie from or cinema. Now, let's put it in the context of which Jesus is talking. He said, let nothing cinemize you. Let nothing movie you. Well, let's put it this way. If you want to go see the movie Barbie, which $70 million worth of people did on Friday on opening day, you will be movied. In other words, there will be a script entered into your soul, which classifies Barbie, the character Barbie, as a man dressed up like Barbie. You say, well, that's just the way our world is today. Transgenderism is accepted in our generation. Let nothing move you. Let nothing cinemize you. Let nothing create a movie in your soul that is in conflict with the truth that you are called to be steadfast in, immovable, always abounding in the word of the Lord. How many understand what I'm talking about? See, we're not any different than the church at Corinth. We're experiencing the very same things that the church in Corinth did. It's not a new thing. The enemy doesn't have a new strategy. It's the same strategy that he has been using 
from the foundation of the world. To take the word of God and twist it. Like he said to Eve, hath not God said? Well, God didn't mean that. This is what he actually meant. And there's a little bit of twisting. There's a little bit of movement created. So you and I want to have a steadfast heart. Don't allow anything to create a cinema feature, a movie, an impression in your heart that is apart from truth. Hold fast on to truth. Let nothing move you. The world we live in is very unstable. It's in constant flux, state of motion, ideas and briefs, realities always changing. And today we believe this. Tomorrow we're going to believe that. But Paul instructs two areas for us to underscore. Please underscore them. Number one, say it with me. Be strong. Well, that was about 50% of you, so I'm going to enlist the other 50%. Say it with me. Be strong. Be strong. strong. Here's what it means. To be firmly fixed in a place or to be determined. To be determined. To be firmly fixed in a place. Paul said, I have determined to know nothing among you save the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm fixed in this place. This is the most important factor. This is what I believe to be the most important thing, that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Then he said, be steady. Everybody say, be steady. Put it up there. It is one is not capable of being moved. You know, if I'm going to go to church, I want to go to church with some steady eddies. I want to go to church with people that are unmovable. That don't change from Sunday to Sunday. How many know you want to have a pastor who doesn't change? from one Sunday to the next, or from one year to the next, who now is compromising what we used to hold true, and now we have been enlightened, and we're now making room for what we never thought we would ever accept. You see, that's what's happening in the church overall, is we're seeing movement, because there's impressions upon our souls manufactured by the God of this world through the media to convince us through debate to to sway us into accepting and believing things that we were never taught and which the Bible does not support. Becoming strong or becoming steady is when people will give themselves fully to the work of the Lord. If we're not steady and if we're not strong, it will be near impossible to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. That's why today, most churches, 80% of the work is done and performed by 20% of the congregation. Because 80% of the congregation lacks strength, They're not steady. 
They're not strong. And it's impossible to do the work of the Lord because we're not convinced it matters. We have been persuaded that it is optional. We've been persuaded that in the world that which we live, there are no absolutes anymore. There are many paths up the mountain. You can get to God any way you want. But can I tell you today, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father but through me. And as many times as this world system wants to try to create a movie that will move me solically into leaving the steadfastness of my faith to, to, to embrace a lack of truth, I refuse to do so. I'm going to stay what they call old-fashioned. You know, they say, I want old church. I want the old-fashioned gospel where sin is still sin, right? The devil's still the devil and God is still God. Amen? So becoming strong and steady will, will enlist you in the work of the Lord. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Isaiah had a vision. This is in the Message Bible. Isaiah had a vision of the throne room of God. And he said this. In the year that king, oh, all of that, just give me verse, I don't want to read all of it. I don't have time to do that. Give me just verse 8. Can you do that? Can you segregate that? Yeah, okay. Uh, give me verse 7 too. <laughs> okay. God said, gone is your guilt. Your sins are wiped out. And then I heard the voice of the master, God himself, saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then verse 8. I, Isaiah, spoke up. I'll go. Send me. See, we want the church to get to that place of being steady and being strong, being unmovable, so that when the Holy Spirit asks... We have more volunteers than we actually need to fulfill the vision. There's not just one that'll say, I'll go send me. We all lift our hand and declare, I'll go send me. Why? Because we are persuaded that this is the kingdom of God. Now by serving, you fulfill God's purpose for your life. Without serving, it is impossible to fulfill God's purpose for your life. See, God created each of us with a specific purpose and a specific ministry. Ephesians 2 and 10 in the New Living Translation says this, We are God's masterpiece. Matter of fact, is it up there? Let's read it together. Come on, ready? Read, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. How many know that God has an agenda? He had an agenda when he created you and me. He said, man, I got some good things planned for them. I can hardly wait till they're birthed into the earth. And they fulfill their purpose. 
There's going to be some good things happening. You see, every one of us have good things in us. That's how God created us. Don't allow the enemy to play a movie in your soul that conflicts with your purpose. The word masterpiece, if you can look back at the uh, scripture, for we are God's masterpiece, comes from the Greek word, which is translated poem. Let's look at it this way. For we are God's poem. A poem is a script that has rhythm to it. Tina and I will be teaching, I think it's July 29th at the Avon campus, a master class entitled Developing Spiritual Rhythm in Your Life. I hope you can make it. It's, I think, 9 in the morning. But we are God's poem. God has a writing, a script for every one of us in this room this morning. So we understand that God's already written a script in your soul. What does the world try to do? The world tries to introduce a secondary script. A script that is written to steal, kill, destroy, to be fleshly, to be anti-God, to be one who is self-serving. But that's not the script that God wrote. You and I are his poem. You and I are his masterpiece. He ascribed in our hearts so that we might reflect his purpose on the earth. This is a very powerful truth. Ephesians 5 and 16 says, Redeem the time. Redeem the time. Make most of every opportunity in these evil days. To redeem something means to buy it back, to regain possession of it. Now, notice something when you put a movie on on one of your uh, programs on your television. It usually tells you how much time that you have to commit to watch the movie. Basically, you have to redeem that time in order to be influenced by the movie. You are purchasing time. It's the same with the purposes of God, the poem of God, the script of God. He's saying, I want you to redeem time for me to play out in your life my purpose for you in the earth. But we're so distracted. We give our time to everything except His purpose. That's why redeeming the time because the days are evil is so critical. How long has the wrong movie been playing on your soul? You know, movies are very powerful. I have seen some movies in my life that I've never forgotten. The Holocaust, some of the atrocities there, war movies where loss of life and the pain and anguish of family members who never recovered. 
even the Titanic. When you began to envision what it must have been like to be in that dark abyss and freezing waters knowing you were going to die. It moved me. And here, Paul is saying, let nothing move you from truth. Media is powerful to sway the minds of people. I watched a video not long ago, Pastor J.C. Church was preaching, and I was looking at his message. He was talking about the agenda that those who advocate same-sex marriage and transgender life, their agenda is to persuade a generation to promote their lifestyle. And here's what the two gentlemen on the video said. We are coming for your children. You may not support us. You may hate us. But we're coming for your children, and they will love us and accept us. You see, it is a strategy to play a script that is not the eternal purposes of God in one's life so that you're so persuaded you believe it's true. And in many instances, will give your life for a false claim. That's how powerful the enemy has presented these scripts so by serving, you fulfill God's purpose for your life. Number two, by serving, you reflect God's glory. As we remain steady and unmoved, unmoved, they, those around us, get a picture of the Father's glory. When you begin to live out the script of God's writing in your heart, those around you are like, oh my gosh, that's the best movie I've ever seen. Do people really love like this? Do people really give like this? Do people really forgive like this? Do people really serve like this? I want to be a part of that. I want to go to that movie. There's a way that people are attracted when someone is living out their purpose. 1 Peter 2.12 says this in the NIV, live such good lives among the pagans. Now let me just make something clear. Until Jesus comes, there are going to be pagans in your neighborhood. <laughs> People say, well, America's going to be saved. I'm like, well, probably not. Why? Because I know in Psalm, the Bible tells us that the nations rage against God, and God laughs at their derision. In other words, we know that up to the very last day, even to the battle of Armageddon, and Armageddon, the nations will come against God to destroy God. But how many know that one word out of his mouth, sharper than a two-edged sword, and the nations will be defeated? 
that tells me there's going to be a pagan influence the rest of our lives. But they don't have to influence us. We can influence them. Wow. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see the movie in your soul. In other words, your good deeds. God's script for you. And glorify God on the day he visits us. Number three, final point. By serving, we contribute to eternity. God takes the ministry we do and uses it to influence the course of eternity in the souls of others. I'll never forget over the years, and some of you are sitting here today, when we created community opportunities of outreach over the years, whether it was fireworks, whether it was mud volleyball, whether it was giveaway for food and clothing. And what was our goal? Our goal was to reflect what God, yes, our love, the script of God in our hearts to a generation, to a community, that they may see the movie, if you will, the script of God in us. You see, our greatest fear, if you could put that quote up, our greatest fear should not be failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. That should be our greatest fear. How do we know whether or not it matters? We can discern what matters in life and what doesn't matter based on what matters to God. You know what matters to God? Souls. You can't put a price on one man's soul. Jesus Christ died, bled, was buried, went into the bowels of hell, defeated the devil. On the third day was raised from the dead. Hundreds saw him. He ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why? For your life, for my life. The value of a soul. Our greatest fear should not be failure, but succeeding at something that doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. I don't want to debate you about whether you believe this and I believe that. I don't want to be angry with you because you have a sign in your yard that says vote no on issue one and I have a sign in my yard that says vote yes. While that is an important truth, what matters is the soul that lives in the yard with the sign out front. Do you follow what I'm saying? We've got to begin to see the value of souls and what matters eternally. Rick Warren said this, Ministry is more than the opportunity of a lifetime. God offers you an opportunity beyond your lifetime. When you serve, you've been given an opportunity that will stay with you forever. 
For Jesus one day will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. He goes on to say in Matthew 25, when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. But Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and naked? When did we see you in prison when you've done it to the least of these? When you've done it to those that matter? You've done it unto me. Serving in the local church is perhaps, let me rephrase that, is eternally an opportunity beyond lifetime. Every work, every effort will be recorded eternally in heaven. You'll be given a jewel in your crown. You'll be given a reward in heaven. The Bible tells us that God will pass out rewards. Silver, gold, stones, precious stones. To some it'll be wood, hay, and stubble. But when we serve Gold, silver, and precious stones. And what are we going to do with them in heaven? We're going to forge them into a crown. And when he appears, we're going to bow on bended knee and give up the crown off of our head and say, only you are worthy, O Lord, and lay the crown of our rewards at his feet. It is so critical right now to store up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. It matters not what significance the world plays on it or what others define it as or how they value it. Whether it's children's church, nursery, ushering, media, worship team, administration, it matters not. All for the kingdom. All for the fulfillment of my purpose. I'm being strong today. I'm being steadfast today. I refuse to be influenced by the media of this world and even by the popular vote of the church because a majority of the church have left have gone astray from the truths that we used to hold dearly. Dare I even tell you of a local church I saw on a video that in their foyer they have coffee and donuts, but they also have a liquor bar in case you want to drink before you go into service. Come on, somebody. You say, oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's a great way to attract visitors. They get a free drink. Come on, somebody. How stupid are we? How bizarre have we become? How far have we been moved from the truth of God's holiness and his presence to be set apart for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to live for God and not this world? There's five key phrases from our text, and I conclude with this. Wow. Y'all are going to get to the restaurant before the Baptists do today. 
You're going to walk in, they're going to go, what happened to your church service? <laughs> Number one, five key phrases, be steady. Everybody say, be steady. be steady. All right, do this with me, your hands and your fingers go like this, be steady. Be steady. Number two, be immovable. Number three, always abound. Number four, knowing. And number five, in vain. You say, well, what's in vain mean? Without real significance, value, or importance, baseless or worthless. Some people say serving in the church is baseless, worthless, without significance. Knowing that your toil in the Lord, your service in the Lord is not in vain. Don't you be persuaded by a world system that says it's all about you. Narcissism is alive and well in the local church. All about me, self-indulgence. Whatever it takes to make them happy, pastor, make them happy. I say, make them uncomfortable. Make them sweat in their sin. Make them have to wear steel-toed shoes when they come to hear the preaching so that you step all over their toes. I would rather have a few bruised toes and make it to heaven than have a beautiful pedicure and walk into the bowels of hell. Come on, somebody. As you serve, serve out of your heart for God. The heart of the house of Church on the North Coast should be reflected through our hearts towards others. We as a church, come on, Church on the North Coast, must be a place where love abounds. People are steady in faith. Immovable by the world. I'm looking at some of you. Been here a long time. And I'm thankful. You're steady. You're immovable. Are you perfect? Far from it. But this side of heaven... No one is. But when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Why? Because years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not, my Lord was crucified. But there was pardon. Multiplied to me his mercy and his grace. Oh my, it made me free. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we have an opportunity of a lifetime on this day to go forward steadfast and immovable. Immovable by the world but movable by the Spirit whatever you say Lord yes Lord remember that old song yes Lord I'll say yes 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 that's the whole song 
And you repeat it again. I'll say yes, yes, yes. Then it kind of changes up a little bit. It says, I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, yes, yes. How many know the words of that song? If you don't, if you don't know the words of that song, you can get it. I'll say yes, yes, yes. See, I'll say yes, yes, yes. Say it, I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say Every one of you that just said yes, sign up right now to serve in the local church. Ushers, pass out the cards right now. Hurry. Just teasing you. Stand up to your feet, please. Nobody like Jesus. Nobody like the Lord. He's been good to me. When I wake up in the morning, all I think about, God, you've been good to me. (laughs) Or you gave me food and clothing and shelter yesterday. You gave me water to drink and air to breathe. I say, God, you are good to me. Thank you that the angels of the Lord go before me and keep me safe and my family. I declare today there'll be no accidents, incidents, or mishaps in any way. We'll go and we will return without injury and or contagion. Because God is good. Come on, lift your hand and say, God is so good. Come on, lift your hand. God is so good. God is so good. You're so good to me. You're so good to me. Can you sing it one more time? God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. My God, God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Now slip your hand on someone's shoulder next to you and pray. Father, bless my brother or my sister this morning. Use them in the kingdom of God. May they... just declare over them may they be steadfast may they be immovable may they always be abounding in the Lord knowing that their toil in the Lord is not in vain I thank you that they are full of the Holy Spirit they oh God are your chosen vessel and they will be father faithful all the days of their life in Jesus name amen now before we go I want you to find two people now that's a selection you got a that's a limited selection two and I want you to tell them I love you and there ain't nothing you can do about it come on tell them I love you and there's nothing you can do about it I love you and there's nothing you can do about it thank you I love you yeah I love you and there's nothing you can do about it amen 
Amen. Have a wonderful day, everyone. God bless you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. See you next time. Have a blessed day.